This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders, you're accepting of whatever comes your way, you're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Well-Being. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellbeing. It's Claire here on this freezing snowy day. Sue, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing really well. I'm kind of, I'm really lovely and warm and sunshiny on the inside. <laughs> I just need to get my outside sorted out. <laughs> yep, snap. The extremities have got to my fingers. Oh, we hope you're all lovely and warm wherever you are listening. And this will warm you up though. Oh, definitely. We've got a lovely lady that we interviewed on Tuesday and this lady is Gillian McMichael and she's up in lovely Edinburgh but originally Rochdale girl. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And her, her twang comes out sometimes which is lovely to hear but really inspirational, really some really useful and good soul discussions going on don't you think oh definitely it was it's definitely one to warm it is. warm us on the inside and give us a bit of hope and inspiration i think as well as some tips yeah definitely so perfect one so without further ado let's listen to our interview with the lovely jillian and we will speak to you soon So on today's show, we have a fabulous guest, Gillian McMichael, who has a book out. She is the author of Coming Home, A Guide to Being Your True Self, which just sounds amazing. I want to read that now. So this, she wants to take you on a journey of self-discovery, which we're all about, using her own experience of transformational change to demonstrate the powerful effects of forgiving yourself and breaking free of past conditioning. Now, I know that's going to have highlighted a lot of things in our listeners. So she likes to walk you through each stage of the self-healing process within this and help you to return meaning and purpose to your life, which is lovely. There's also other things that she does. She has a chopper. I never, I never know if I'm saying that right. Center meditation, which is about wellness and Ayurveda. So she's a certified teacher for that. She's got dozens of programs on. She's a company coach. or Her coaching company is called Full Circle Global. And that obviously brings all of her teachings and learnings into that. So this is going to be interesting. Gillian, you are used to talking. You've got your own podcast. You've even appeared on the BBC News, so I don't think we'll have any problems. <laughs> it's probably going to be us, so bear with us. We're not as, you know, we're not as in the know as you guys. So talk to us about why you set up, first of all, your full global, full circle global sort of centre. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Um, Really been excited and looking forward to chat to you both. Um, So yeah, so Full Circle came about mainly um, because I'd been in a human resources and learning and development job for about 12 years. And I was really feeling a bit I don't know, you sometimes, you know, you feel that actually maybe there's something out there more for you that's more suited to your personality. Um, and I was really at a crossroads because although I loved working with people, the organization that I worked for was quite limiting. I could only take people so far on their development journeys. Um, and out of the blue, um, I always say that coaching found me uh, rather than me finding coaching, but maybe it was a bit of both. But I, I found a tiny little advert in the newspaper when, you know, the newspapers were 
we didn't have the internet in them days, basically. <laughs> so I'm showing my age now. So a little newspaper, it's just like a postage stamp type advert, learn to be a life coach. And I was like, Ooh, this sounds interesting. And so I, I you know, kind of trotted along to their welcome kind of awareness session, whatever it was. And, and I really thought, Oh, this sounds really interesting. I wonder if this is what I've been looking for. And so I trained. And then after that, I kind of went back to my, my obviously I was still working full time at that point, but I was really getting a bit restless and a kind of bit of kind of itchy feet. And I thought, actually, I wonder if I could be bold enough, maybe or be brave enough to maybe step away from the corporate world and, and have then take a risk. And so I decided to do that. And I set up the company and it's been going since 2004. Um, and so I suppose as, as an organization, I wanted to offer one-to-one coaching to people um, really around life transformation primarily was the, the key thing. Um, but what I also, but, but, but I missed the training aspect of working with people in teaching and training people because I did that in my HR job um, and learning and development aspect of my work. And so there was, at the time, there was no um, coach training organizations in Scotland. Um, I've been in Edinburgh for a period of a, a good number of years at that point. And uh, there was no training providers in Scotland that I was aware of. And there were only two in the UK. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. So I'd actually got coached by an ICF, an International Coach Federation um, coach, uh, qualified accredited coach. And to be honest, that's what gave me the confidence really to to move away from my full-time job and to set up as a, as a to begin with, first of all, as a, a sole trader, and then quickly moved into then a limited company. And it was at that point that I thought, actually, I want to maybe see if we can do some International Coach Federation, become a training provider for them, like a training partner. Um, and so that went on for a number of years while we designed, while I designed courses and things like that. Um, and that led me doing to corp, you know, full. I suppose that's how Full Circle Global came about because it was, you know, it was kind of looking at well. Can we support people who want to transition in their careers to become professional coaches? But also I was offering and supporting people that one-to-one coaching uh, so that they could help with their own transitions in their lives as well. So it really ticked a lot of boxes for me. And I have to be honest, it's most probably the best thing I ever did in my life, which was to make that leap and and set up the company. But don't get me wrong, it's been hard work. It's not been easy all the way. And it's not <laughs> yeah. been certainly not been plain sailing. There's been lots of ups and downs um and really difficult times actually as you would imagine running a business um certainly a small business anyway that was been trying to grow so yeah but it's been it's been I'm really glad I made that decision to do it yeah I mean it, it is it's very brave to make that leap but it does sound like you just don't need to look back I love the name the full circle global like especially when you were talking about it it, it made even more sense then of where that's coming from I really like that so you are brave you stuck out on your own built this up and actually really got in this on the ground level kind of like before there was lots more coaching and stuff like that why is it that you think coaching is so important for people oh well I I suppose from my point of view what it did for me when I got coached is it really opened my eyes to the way that I was living my life, it kind of gave me a bit, it was a bit like kind of a, a you know, a, a kind of mental and emotional workout in many, in, in, like a, kind of not the physical workout, but you know, mental and emotional workout. And it made me question, you know, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? Am I happy? Do I feel fulfilled? You know, is there more that I can do? And so it got me to do a really big overview. Now, not everybody comes to coaching for those big life changes, but I think what it gave me was a safe space to talk freely and openly. And I think this is what it gives other people as well is that sense of it's a very non-judgmental relationship. So you could say, look, I'm unhappy or I'm frustrated. And actually the other person, the coach wouldn't judge you. They would just help you understand why and get to the root cause. If they're a good coach, they'll help you get to the root cause. Um, And I think that's what happened to me. And I think when I got coached, I thought, actually, this is, I really want to be offering this work to other people. And, to, and so for me, working in this way, I suppose, helps people address their lives, their careers, their relationships. Um, you're working for me, working with the whole person. So you're helping them really understand. And it's a bit what, what you mentioned about the description of the book about helping them unpack their habits or their belief systems, anything that might be holding them back from living a healthy, vibrant happy life um, and to get them to make some of those changes that might be required and some of those changes might be 
you know, internal, it might be more around how you feel about yourself around self-worth, confidence, self-belief. Um, or it could be those more practical steps, which is I need to get a new job or I want to change careers and, you know, or I want to kind of, um, find my purpose in life, you know, so there might be other things around those, but I think it gives you a safe space. It gives you an intimate kind of conversation, a meaningful conversation about you. And I remember, you know, when I, and somebody challenged me years ago and said, well, can't your mates do that? Can't your family members do that for you? Well, yeah, they can, but actually our mates and family members have an agenda unfortunately, whereas with a coach, the good thing is that they don't. And so really it is very much around that conversation with yourself and just somebody holding that space for you to be able to explore with no no agenda apart from to help support you get where you want to get to I love that I love your description of coaching and it's really interesting anecdote you know the way that you were challenged on that because I think coaching is something would you agree you kind of you sort of you get it or you don't and you don't get it until you get it if you see what I mean <laughs> you know and, it, and, it, and all the things that you described there about it being this sort of valuable space the non-judgment no agendas it's something that it, it feels like a luxury when you're experiencing it if it's going well but but really I don't know what you think Gillian it, it shouldn't be should it what no, and yeah, I, I agree completely with that. And it's something that, you know, as, as a coach, for example, I invest in coaching for myself. I get, I get coached on a regular basis. Um, I set my goals and my kind of desired outcomes that I want for myself, whether that's in my career or in my personal life or with my own well being and things like that. But I do think it, and like you're right, unless you get it, <laughs> you know, I think people can see, well, that's just a nice to have. It's a luxury. Um, but for me, I, I would say it's the kind of the opposite. It's actually life supporting and actually quite life, I would say life critical. Um, because I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, when I first got coached, and as, as I said, I still get coached now, it's it's invaluable because it helps you clear away that that narrative, the story that you might be telling yourself. Um, like you said, those limiting beliefs. It, and it just gives you, I don't know, a, a space for you to show up as, you, as your true self. Um, you know, because we play so many roles, don't we? We, you know, we, we're all, we're all, we've all got roles and responsibilities and, and we sometimes can feel that, well, we don't have a choice. And I think what coaching does, it, it gives you that realization that you do have a choice and that you genuinely can be in control of where you, where you want to get to and how you want to live your life. Um, by making some really, in fact, quite small changes sometimes that can have a huge impact on your life. And so I think for me, I think there's still a lot of education that needs to go around coaching. Um, and, I, and and to me, I'm a firm believer that coaching should be available for all. And I know some coaches, you know, kind of command huge amounts of money for their services, but I try to make sure that it's balanced. So it's enough to, you know, to, to give me the salary because it's a job. It is a job, um, although it feels like a vocation, um, but I still need to earn money, obviously. But I, I, I make sure that I offer it at different levels for for where people are at in their own personal circumstances, because I'm a real, real firm believer that actually this should be available for everybody. It's not just an elitist thing. I think it's really encouraging for people to hear that, actually. It's something that Claire and I, you know, really advocate um, through the work that we do at 3B. And I think oh, what you say there, I think there's a perception maybe that coaching isn't affordable or isn't accessible or it's not for me because I'm not working as an executive yeah. or, you know, whatever it might be. But I think you're right. I think there is an education that needs to, to happen around that. And I think it's, there's a little bit of a shift change sort of happening as people realise that these this opportunity to kind of have conversations and, and you know, and share in this free way. I loved your phrase about it being life critical. You know, it's sort of like fundamental, I don't know, life skills for the 21st century. Because like yeah. you said, we, I loved what you're saying about all the different roles that we play. Yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, I think if I wouldn't have had coaching or invested in myself in the way that I have done through the coaching that I've had over the years, I, I genuinely don't believe I'd be where I am today. Um, you know, um, I, I just don't think I would have even achieved just even a smidgen of what I've achieved. And I think, so therefore for me, I think it's, for me, it's, it's money well spent. Um, 
because I think I think I think you're right though. Things are changing. I think there's much more awareness now of coaching. Certainly, I, mean, I was speaking to a friend the other week about this. That you know, when I first started talking about coaching, I remember phoning up a corporate company saying, "Oh, you know, have you heard of coaching? Would you like to be? You know, would you would you like to meet to talk about coaching?" And I remember this. Who I don't even know who the client this, this company was, but the other end said, "You know, no, we're we're not a load of tree huggers here. So no thanks." And he put the phone down on us. Um, so a lot shifted since 2004 to where we are now today. Um, but but I do think that the more awareness we can get about coaching and the benefits it can give you as as a person, you know, then I think it it can become more um, reachable for people or attainable for people. It's funny because I know me and Sue hear that a lot when we go into businesses to talk about mental well-being and the kind of things like breathing and then you get this, oh, is this this hippie stuff? So there is still that mentality out there, but luckily it is a lot fewer people or fewer businesses now who feel like that. And coaching has grown so much and so many organisations realise how important it is that they bring it in-house and they have people in-house doing it as well. Um, and there's obviously there's um, pros and cons of that, I know. But I loved what you said about it's more of vocation and because mm -hmm. I, I completely get that um, and I think that's the right way about thinking about it because it is I think you pulled into that yeah. so Jillian you wrote this book as well coming home a guide to being your true self <laughs> where did the inspiration from that come from so um rewind I suppose to most probably 2009 2010 um I was going through quite a messy divorce with my ex-husband there was nobody else involved we just fell out of love with each other but we it was a really um challenging time um the recession hit um if we remember rightly in those that time and um clients stopped paying work dried up um the business we had a big team at that point there was a really big team that we were employed by um the company and throughout all of that um having actually a very, I've been in business for seven years at that point, 2004, five, six, seven. Yeah. So a number of years I've been in business. Can't remember my last five years or something like that. Um, and, um, and basically I lost everything. So the business went into liquidation. Um, unfortunately, um, my ex-husband at the time came for as much money as he could from the business, um, which was really tricky and very hurtful, but it's what happened. Um, and so within a matter of from, I would say from, I don't know, December 2009 to July 2010, I lost my home, um, my car got driven away, that was tied up with the company, I lost my business, and my marriage was gone. And uh, thankfully for me, I had a few suitcases, but the most important thing was I had my six-year-old son's hand, and we had to start again. It was a real... Um, I don't know, wake up call. And I, I suppose I'm a firm, you know, I do believe that there's a greater good. And, and you know, looking back now, I can say, well, that was a really big lesson for me to learn and um, and a really important lesson for me to learn. But at the time, it was pretty horrific and it was very stressful. There was a lot of shame and humiliation and having to, to, to declare that liquidation and then, you know, kind of trying to then get think, well, what on earth do I do? So, so that, that was, the, that was the reason why I wrote the book. So what I did basically from 2009, 2010, I, 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 I have really been on a big, big development journey around myself and who I am. And, and through the process of losing everything, I actually found myself. Um, because I think the business that I had before was very good. It was a very good business. It was a very steady business. But I think I got lost in a lot of um, monetary drivers. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure from the way that my ex-husband wanted to live. And it, you know, there were things that I found that I'd becoming more and more disconnected with myself throughout that period. And so when everything just kind of the crescendo of most probably the universe, I believe, giving me the biggest kick up the backside and wake up call, um, you know, I had to go back on that journey of, well, who am I? What do I want? What am I here for? And, and how do I heal myself from what had happened? And and actually to 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 get myself back on track in a way that was meaningful and and right for me and for my and for my son and 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 for what I you know and, and for the future for my, my for my future I suppose. And so I set out on a journey of 
big, big discovery. So after when I'd got over the shock of losing everything and, and dealing with my ego and all of that nonsense and crying in a heap on the floor and my health wasn't good. I'd put on a lot of weight. So there's, there's a whole stuff going on. I was eating and I wasn't alcoholic, by the way, but I was drinking too much wine and all about trying to numb what had been going on and um, put loads of weight on. And um, so like most probably about three stone heavy than I am now. And and I just didn't know who I was. I kept looking in the mirror thinking, actually, I don't, I don't even recognize you. Um, and so when that happened, I thought, right, I need to sort myself out. So I ended up going, I had an um, adult asthma attack, for example. I didn't have asthma, but it was all the stress in my body and everything. And um, I went to a nutritionist because I couldn't lose weight because, and, and he said to me, your cortisol levels are like off the scale. And if you're not careful, you're going to have diabetes, you'll have heart problems. You know, you just, there's so much stress in your body. You need to, because so, I was in high states of alert. I most probably been in high states of alert for a long time because my marriage hadn't been right for many, many years. And so there was a lot of that going on behind the scenes as well as trying to keep the business going and keep it afloat. So there was all of that going on. And so I decided to again, invest, invest in my own development, really, which looked at learning to meditate to help me quiet my mind and to find stillness within. Um, I had been receiving Reiki to help me just in terms of manage my energy and unblock any um, toxic energies that were still was in my body. Um, and I, I started to learn more about mindfulness techniques and things like that. So I applied all of that stuff to myself first. Um, and it started to make a, it started to make a big difference. I started to do yoga and, 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 and things like that just to help me with my mind, body and my soul connection. And, and, and through that process, I started to heal myself, I suppose, in many ways. Um, and to really help me with my emotional and, and mental, um, you know, challenges that I was dealing with. And so out of that um, came then this need for me to, to, to want to be able to teach meditation to others. And then to, I suppose, to, to become, I became a Reiki master over those years, over those 10 years, um, became a yoga teacher and all, all of the things that, you know, that I do now as part of my work, as well as coaching. And, and I suppose I decided that throughout that process, I would journal um, so I started, you know, journaling has always helped me. It's kind of got me out of my head and got me to kind of figure out what was going on for me, the way that I, the reasons why I felt the way that I felt and all that kind of thing. I got coached and I had some therapy alongside that as well, just to help me. But fast forward to COVID, um, I was due to go to India and to do some training on further training with my yoga teaching and um, couldn't go, obviously. And um, I thought, right, what am I going to do? So I thought I'm going to write this book because I've always wanted to write one. So I thought I'm going to sit down. Long, so long, <laughs> long story to get there. But basically, I'll sit down to do the book. Um, and so I sat and it just all started to come out. And within a month, I'd, I'd written the book. I mean, it wasn't finished. It needed a lot of editing. But, you know, the basis of, was down that month. That, so that was March um, 2020. Um, and then, you know, I, I found a publisher. And, and, and really what I've done with that is I've documented my journey in terms of the steps that I took to return myself back home to my true self. And so that includes that self-care piece and, um, and and kind of health and well-being piece alongside the coaching steps that I took um, to that. And so the book's really about that. It's a, it's a mixture of my journey, but also the things that you can do for yourself to help you come back home to your true self. Oh, fabulous. It's sort of like, it's really inspiring story. My heart goes out to you with that loss because it's, yeah, it's bad enough losing maybe your marriage or, or your business, but everything all at once. Mm -hmm. It must have been so hard. But clearly, clearly you'd already got things within you that helped you. And then, yeah, you had that grieving process though, that time for yourself. Yeah, and I think, I think there was a lot of... Um there was a lot of grieving actually. And there was a lot of, um, quite, you know, there's, there's two things, isn't there? You can go into that victim mode, which is why me. And I think we're all, you know, we'll all fall into that trap at some point when something really tricky comes along for us in our lives. But I knew because of the coaching that I didn't want to stay there for too long, but to be honest as well, to be very fair, financially had nothing coming in. My mom and dad had to which were amazing. My mom and dad helped me, you know, kind of put my first month's rent down on a, on a, on a flat for me and my son. Uh, so we could, we could, you know, kind of carry on life as much as we possibly could. And then a friend of mine, um, lent me his car, you know, to help me take my son Dylan to football and, you know, in his parties and all the stuff that you need to do. And, and because a lot, you know, I, I didn't have the money. And so to be honest, to be fair, 
Alongside all of that, there was also a £90,000 debt that needed to pay back. So that was an overdraft to the bank because the business needed that because of the recession. But then there was other things that had been built up that I wasn't aware of within my ex-relationship that I also had to pay for. So to be honest, you know, that was a driver sink or swim. I didn't, to be honest, at the beginning, apart from feeling a couple of weeks of really woe is me, I thought I'm going to have to get a grip here because actually I need to provide for my son. So what do I do? And I, I went back to using some coaching techniques for myself, first of all, because I couldn't afford a coach at that point. I was like, right, what, what can I do for myself? Wrote it all down, mapped it all out and set myself a goal that, you know, in a year's time, I would have some sort of business, even if it was just me back as a sole trader, I would, I would be, I would be paying the debt off, but I would have enough money to survive for me and my son to, to, to live a, you know, a reasonably okay life. Um, and, and that, that's, that's how it did. So it was really small incremental steps, um, so that I could start to do what I needed to do to get back, you know, to, to get back to some sort of, of lifestyle that I, I, I wanted for my, for my son really more than anything else. Mm. It sounds like then the book would be really helpful for people because they have those small steps that they can potentially follow or adapt to fit themselves and what's going on for them. Yeah. Um, so that would be really inspiring, I would imagine. Sounds great. I, I really like the fact that you've turned this around, but then what you've done is helped others by giving your story. And that's obviously that's what we do. We want to hear people's stories because I do think people get inspired by that but they also understand well the people have gone through this yeah. I can get out of it as well and yeah the kind of things that they can do yeah. techniques tools all that kind of stuff to help themselves yeah. develop and, and I suppose that's what at the end of the end of every chapter I give people exercises to do so if they read it um, and it's also coming out in February on audible and it's, so it's going to be an audiobook as well so I think you know people will have at the end of every chapter an opportunity to to put some actions to reflect these questionnaires, these actions to do um, that might help them kind of take that step to work closer to where they want to get to. Sounds really good. Sounds like our kind of book, doesn't it? So oh, definitely. I'm definitely going to be putting it on the list. <laughs> Claire knows that I've sort of got a kind of growing list. And um, yeah, my goal for this year is to get through one of my books each month mm. so that I can and we can share a bit of wisdom um, here on the radio as well. So I think your book will be a really good one for us to feature. Thank I you. think it's really interesting just sort of listening to you. There's so much in here, you know, that I think this this thing about authenticity and being your true self it's a theme that that comes up a lot isn't it and I mean I think it was there before Covid but I think particularly since the pandemic I don't know if it, if you would agree that it's sort of this idea of true self and this idea of authenticity is this something that we're all seeking really at the end of the day See, it's interesting. I would say most probably yes. Um, I think, I, you know, I think what pandemic most probably did, and this is just my personal opinion, I could be wrong, but this is my take on it, is that I think that that pause that the, the pandemic gave us, I know some of us found that really difficult and some people found it quite a, a really enjoyable process. I know some people lost a lot of people through that as well. And so, so it's kind of got that, it, it's kind of that kind of very strange kind of experience, I think, for many people. Um, but what I do feel is that it gave us a, a moment of pause. And I think we've not had a lot of time in our lives for that pause. Um, and, I, and I think when you get that pause, and if you do, if you are a reflector, um, then I suppose it does raise lots of questions around what am I doing? Am I really being true to myself? And I think I think true to ourselves can be a bit of a buzzword. You know, I can see, see people saying it quite a lot, but actually sometimes not really knowing what it means to them. And I think, but for those that do that deeper reflection, really dig a bit deeper around, well, what does it actually mean to me? Then I think that authenticity, as you've said, that needing to to be real is quite important. And I think, you know, when I look back on, again, my story, um, you know, I mean, I was bullied, it's quite severely bullied at school um, from a very early age. And that went on into my early 20s. You know, and and I think that, you know, the way that the, the interactions that you have as a young as a as a younger person, so as a child moving into adolescence and then moving into to adulthood, I, I, I think, you know, we all experience challenges. And I think some challenges can be really bad and difficult and others can be less so. But I think I think those experiences 
do form and have an impact on who we are. And I think for me, you know, I decided that, you know, I really wanted to belong. I, 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 I was, as I said, quite severely bullied where I, I did feel like an outsider for most of my early years. Um, and that had impact on how I showed up. You know, I mean, I didn't show up as my true self. I was too busy trying to fit in and be liked and, you know, all of these things. And then, and then as that went on, you know, I, I write about this just very briefly in the book. It's not not a lot, but you know, I then got abused, sexually abused by my boss when I was working in Greece when I was in younger in my early twenties, and that had another impact on me. And I dimmed my light at that point. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be, you know. And and then and then eventually I found coaching, and and so it's interesting how all of these experiences um, have an impact on you. And I think I think when we play roles, um, and and we 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 kind of dear or we feel that we have to behave in that sense of past conditioning that has had such an impact on us so there's limiting beliefs the way that we view ourselves do we do we feel that we're worthy and I didn't feel I was worthy for many many years um and just you know I would never be worthy um and so and that was made my confidence at an all-time low and so so I think if we can get to that point where we can release ourselves from those things and to can forgive ourselves and accept ourselves then I think that's when you can start truly showing up as your true self. Um, because I think a lot of us carry a lot of baggage. And I think it's good if we can give ourselves permission to drop that baggage and just to be okay with who you are. Um, Easier said than done, but you get my hopefully get my gist. <laughs> definitely. So much of what you're sharing sort of resonates for Claire and I personally and and obviously from, from a 3B perspective. And it's interesting with the the different people that we speak to, you know, on the podcast and on the show there's a, these themes, you know, they're there, they're very prevalent, they're very sort of out there for people. And I think it's interesting that we're living in times where we feel as though we can start to talk about this stuff without being accused of, mind you, what's wrong with being a tree hugger? I don't know, I'm quite happily kind of... I'm quite happy hugging trees. I, I'm well. quite happy hugging trees as well. <laughs> yeah, more tree hugging, I think, is needed exactly. in the world. But it seems to me that what you're, you... You mentioned this word a couple of times earlier when you were describing, you know, what happened. You, you were talking about healing. And, yeah. and I think that's... I, I read something the other day that sort of really struck a chord with me. I wonder what you think. It was sort of saying we need to stop seeing um, ourselves as the problem and as the healer. Yeah, and when we see yeah. ourselves as the healer. Then it's we use that word permission as well. I think language is is so important, isn't it? Well, you know, when we're kind of addressing a lot of these things about ourselves, would you agree? Yeah, I, I would, and I think it's really interesting. I would absolutely agree with that statement that you've just shared. I think, you know, I believe that we are, we can only heal ourselves. You know, we might look at other people trying to make things better for us or make us feel more comfortable, but actually, we are the you know, we have, we have the key to that if we want to. And that does require that deeper reflection. It requires that, you know, additional, uh, give ourselves permission and all of those things, which is what you've said. And I do feel quite strongly about that because, you know, you know, I, I suppose, you know, we're all born, we all have our own experiences through the journey that the journey of life that we, we go through. And, um, I think that shapes us who we are. But I think, as we said, there's there's experiences that we hold on to things. And I heard, it's funny, I was watching some, I was actually watching something on television actually, but I did my research after and I, and I think it's true. I could be wrong, but you know, that, that the memories of what we have from our experiences, we actually only have that memory once of that time. And the rest of it, um, brain makes up those added bits. And so yeah. the imprint of the experience is actually turns into more of a perception and I write about this in the book more of a perception than the reality and I think that healing journey is about knowing what's true and what's not true and and uh, because you know things can grow arms and legs really quickly can't they and I think that's the one thing that I've learned through my journey you know you can make something that could be quite straightforward into something huge or vice versa and I think it's all about perspective and I think if you can give yourself permission to be okay with that and to understand that and accept that then it's a lot easier to move forward but I think if you're in denial or you're you're blaming other people and I think this is the key thing for me about true healing is that you have to take accountability mm. you know regardless of you know for example me being bullied or you know whatever happened in Greece and all that kind of thing yeah you can blame all those other people but actually you know there was a part that I played too and I can only be accountable for my part, can't be accountable for others. But what I can do is say, okay, so, well, what was it about that situation 
And what can I learn from that? That is going to help me heal moving forward. And I think that's that's a really big, important piece of work that we can do to help ourselves heal. That's my only personal perspective, but I'm sure there's many others. I I think both Sue and I would totally be on board with that. Um, one of the things that we do, we have is emotional wealth. Mm-hmm. So it's like emotional agility, resilience, all of that kind of thing. And it, we do have a wealth of emotions and very often they're, they're named as like bad emotions or good emotions. And they're not, they're just telling us information. And we need to listen to ourselves a lot more, but I totally totally agree with you there that you know I've read that about something can happen in your past and then if you see something that slightly resembles it that it can really take you there so it it changes how you're feeling at that moment in time so it's really important for us to forgive ourselves but like you say take responsibility and within emotional wealth we have both we have talk about forgiving ourselves and others but taking personal responsibility for our lives because actually those things did happen to you and they were awful you know like when you were talking about the Greece as well in Greece that was awful but it wasn't your fault so there should be no blame like you say it's about letting that lie and saying what's my learning from this because I have no blame in this but I can learn from that and what do I do from that experience and that's like you said it's easy to say it's hard to do but especially like after so long you can even hold that even more at certain points so it is really important that we do heal ourselves in that and I I love that way of thinking and that taking that responsibility for well what am I going to do with this how can I change how that is for me it sounds like you obviously you've done an awful lot of work I'm going to say work on yourself so like you've learned a lot of things you've applied them to you and I do think that's why things like your book and the work that you do it's even more um it's going to have more of an impact because you've been there you know that so it's come from a real place of learning from you you're bought into this because it works for you and and me and so are the same we've gone through things we've tried things out and it works for us yeah what would you say to people who have maybe tried a couple of things and it's not worked for them at that, that point in time what would you say to maybe if we've got listeners who are thinking that right now yeah, I would say don't give up because I it's like anything, isn't it? You need to kiss a few frogs before you, you meet your Prince Charming. I think it's the same thing with developing or learning about yourself. Not every intervention, not everything that you try is going to work first time round and, and, and it takes time. So there's something around... Um, so I would say learn to become your best, your own best friend. So befriend yourself. So be compassionate and kind. Don't be judgmental. Don't think you're a failure because you're not getting it right first time around because it's not always going to work. And so I think it's about those different modalities and saying, okay, what works best for me? And I think that requires a bit of understanding around your own learning style, um, how you want to be and what might what kind of things might work for you and that might just be reading a book it could be journaling it doesn't have to be investing in loads of training courses or anything like that it could be more more kind of individual stuff that actually doesn't cost you a lot of money just gives you just means you just commit some time but for me you know I'm by any way stretch the imagination not the finished article and I don't think I ever will be and I think that's so that that's something else I would strongly suggest is that remember that this is a journey and that might sound a bit cliched or cheesy but it actually is you know you're not going to be the finished article you're never going to be perfect you'll have your flaws you will go back to old trigger you'll be triggered and you'll go back to old ways of thinking and believing and things will kick in and you're like oh gosh blimey I'm caught in my own drama again what's going on you know and I think there's something about you know being okay with that so being kind compassionate appreciating that this is the long haul it's not a short trip it's a long haul and and trying different things and not giving up because every time you experience something even if it doesn't work again don't see it as a failure ask yourself what have I learned from this experience and it will give you something I love that yeah taking that learning from there could you say what are the things that you, you do either on a regular basis or daily basis 
that you think support you with your self-care and to be on this journey and be okay with that yeah sure really good question um so for me meditation is essential so that has been a real life line for me um that ability to quiet my mind and stop that inner chatter was i mean the, the thoughts never stop obviously because we have so we have what eighty thousand thoughts a day or something like that but the thoughts never stop um but it gives me that moment just to reset and i, I like that um and that quiet time it feels like a real special gift that I give myself every morning that I do first thing out of bed. Um, exercise, I think is really helpful. Again, it doesn't have to be anything really extensive, but going out for a walk or swimming or going on your bike, if you've got one, or just doing some yoga or just what I would call mindful movement activity. I think you mentioned breathing before, which obviously is free, but we don't always breathe properly. So that sense of doing some of that proper breath work and learning to 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 allow the breath and to, to move through your body and to do what it's meant to do in the right way. Um, and I think the other thing, um, so that's, that's my morning, um, but the other thing would be to um, sleep, have a good bedtime routine. So, um, and also to watch your nutrition and alcohol intake, I think, I think any journey of learning is not to say don't have a glass of wine or have a beer or whatever you want to do, but I think don't use those things as your comfort blanket and as a, as a, as a, as a deflect me deflection mechanism. Um, so, so, so try and get that balance right. And if you can, you know, I, I remember that you know, I say this to some of my clients sometimes is that you know, when we've got young children, for those of us who do have young children, you know, we would have a bedtime routine with them. They'd bath, they'd feed, they'd have their story time. But as you get older, you don't do those things for yourself. You know, you eat, obviously, um, but you don't actually have that more nurturing space for yourself before you go to bed. And, and I would say that's a real game changer is light yourself a candle, you know, get make sure that you're in bed roughly around the same time every night of the week, including weekends, unless you go out. But, you know, um, but I think and, and get yourself a good seven, if not eight hours sleep, because obviously the one thing I've learned through the meditation, teaching and training I've done, you know, that's where our body and the Ayurvedic stuff in particular, that's where, you know, our body heals itself. It gets rid of the toxins and we need that space just to to build, to rebuild our immune system overnight. And I think that's been really helpful for me. So topping and tailing the day with a good routine is the answer. Well, I like that. Love that. Really good advice, isn't it, people? It seems to me, um, if you don't mind me saying, Gillian, there's so much of what you're sharing fits really nicely with our three Bs, our B, believe and breathe. Would you? Yeah. you I would agree with that, that completely. <laughs> I think you were describing that. I loved how you said that your meditation was essential as well. It kind of sounds like you've got some deal breakers in there that like, yeah, they absolutely have to happen for you. And I yeah. think... And it's funny, like when I don't meditate, because sometimes, you know, work, you might, if, I, if I'm traveling, sometimes you might not meditate in that morning space that I would do normally my, my little room and sit on, the, you know, what I normally do. Um, then I try as much as possible to, to, even if it's just five minutes, because, you know, you can meditate on a plane, in a car, on a bus, on a train, you know, you don't have to have this sacred space to meditate. All you do is close your eyes just breathe and just try and turn your attention inwards and I think I think even if it's just two minutes three minutes a day it can make a world of difference um but I think when I don't do it I really notice the difference my anxiety levels come up um I'm not as focused and 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 I work at a I'm then at a faster pace so so I'm, I'm less grounded I think mm. and so I think again it's about finding what works best for you but certainly that has been a, a real game changer for me I liked I really liked how you linked it to as a child, like your children. So you'd have a bedtime routine. And it's really funny because, well, both me and Sue are really, really on board with you need that sleep. You need to have a routine. Sleep's really important for your mental well-being. And we talk about that. But it's really funny. I don't think I've ever heard anybody liken it to that before. And it's such a simple thing that you're right. You would have this bedroom bed night routine because it's sort of like that you know the child is gearing up to going to bed and then once they're in bed and you've got that story that they will hopefully fall asleep and yet we do lose that and I think we do that a lot we lose things from being a child ourselves that actually is really good for us yeah. and can really help with our you know mental well-being a, a story I've told before I spoke to Sue about was I went out 
um and it had been raining and I just started jumping in the puddles I must have looked like an absolute lunatic (laughs) I was out with the dog I bought I was jumping in puddles and she had a fabulous time so anybody else in the street would have probably gone think clothes cracked up but for me it really got me fired up and I did some brilliant work that day and yet I've not gone and done it again it's really funny isn't it because you sort of like yeah but I shouldn't be doing that um but actually feel like you're giving me permission to be like a child again there when you were talking about that it's funny actually just that's just reminded something about what I did as well one of the things that I've written about in the book is about you know living with joy and because that was something that I didn't know how to do I'd lost the whole art of that and and I, I didn't jump in puddles but I went on the swing I went the swings and the roundabout the seesaw in the park you know and absolutely loved every minute of it you know I went roller skating again things that I'd just not done and and I learned I, I went into dance classes and things that weren't massively expensive but stuff that just allowed me to reconnect with that I suppose the inner child that 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 the joyful side of myself because life had become so serious that I, I didn't know and outside of my survival mode, I actually didn't know what else, what to do with myself, you know. And so I went back to that sense of, well, what what brought me joy as a child? Um, and, you know, I got a bike and, you know, I'm excited to ride a bike again. And that feeling of just, I don't know, like the wind on your face and the hair blowing when you were going downhill and, you know, put your legs out and kind of freestyling it, you know, not kind of being on the pedals and stuff. So I did, stu- I mean, stupid stuff really, but... But, you know, it made such a difference to me. It, it really brought a lot of joy and it, it allowed me to connect with that different side of myself, the, the more fun Gillian rather than the serious Gillian. Yeah. So I absolutely love what you've just shared. It was brilliant. <laughs> I, I might do that brilliant. <laughs> yeah. To have a go next time. Well, well, he's on. <laughs> but I think what because you, you've mentioned this word a couple of times, grounded and I think what you were just explaining there about going and to dance class like you know putting your legs out when you're going down on the bike so you're freestyling and stuff I think that helps to be grounded and I I think it's really important can you just maybe explain to our listeners a bit more about that what what is important to you about grounding yeah so so for me the way that I see being grounded or, or or grounding is is I notice you know the way that I would describe it is that throughout our daytime, we can get detached from ourselves. So conversations that we have or things that we've got to do, we're busy, 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 doing, doing, doing all the time. And, and that can take us away from our, our true self, I suppose. And and for me, so so when I notice, so when I'm really busy or I don't give myself enough time for a break or I've not meditated or whatever, I can find myself, I notice myself getting a bit clumsy. So I might walk into the, I don't know, the door or bash my knee on the coffee table or drop something. And that means for me, I'm a little bit out of balance. And so what what being grounded does for me is get me back in balance with myself and connected back with myself. Um, I call it, um, I say to sometimes some of my students, it's a bit like, um, I don't know, bear with me, this is just this description, but it's kind of like you're kind of reversing back into yourself. You know, it's a bit like reversing a car back into a parking space. It feels like, because throughout our day, there's so much stuff that comes out, so much information, so many demands, expectations. And so when you're doing all of that, you're busy, you, you don't really think about well, how am I feeling about this today and what's going on for me? You just get carried away with it all. And so that sense of reversing back into yourself gives you that moment again, just to come back to who you are and 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 keeps you grounded. And one of, one of the most easiest ways to do that is just to keep your feet firmly on the ground. So like when you're sitting at your desk, put both feet on the ground, take your slippers off and your shoes off, just put them on, you know. Um, and another thing that I did recently over the, not doing it now because there's snow on the ground, obviously, but in the summer, um, you know, just take your shoes and socks off and walk around your garden if you've got one, you know, and just feel the, I don't know, the earth, the ground underneath your feet. And I think it can make a big difference to just bring you back to yourself. I love, love really all that. Yeah, this just, yes. I, I love the way that you're just describing these things because I think they're accessible. Yeah. They are easy to do. And I think they kind of demystify a lot of the stuff around the way that we can take care of ourselves and meditation and mindfulness. We can all do it. It's it's what you said before, it's something that we reiterate a lot. It's about finding what works for you and you're only gonna yeah. discover what that is by giving things a go. Yeah. And just kind of open mind, open heart yeah. sort of thing, aren't you? Absolutely. 
Um, Clara, we get into that time in the show. I think we, we might be. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I just I want to carry on talking with Gillian. I'm sort of enjoying this so much. Um, but yeah, it's it's about that time in the show where um you get to tell us about the song that you've chosen and why you've chosen it. I wonder, you mentioned a lot of things that bring you joy. Is music something that brings you joy? You no, know, it is actually. And it's one of the things I write about in the book. And it's one thing I've not mentioned, but music does. Um, when I was on that, you know, kind of road to kind of get back to my true self and so forth. Uh, the one thing I realized was how much I love music and actually how much of a de-stressor music was. And so I'd noticed when I had really difficult, challenging days or conversations or trying to figure out stuff I would put on one of you know favorite songs and I would just lie down on the living room floor and just let the music wash over me and by the time my favorite song had finished I felt better you know I felt energized and it got my back again it's another grounding exercise for me actually um and so music I have to be honest has been a, a real um I think a real healer for me um and just to whether that's if, if it, even if it might be more twingy twangy music, if you wanted to do that for your meditation or or just your, your favorite tracks, you know, um, and I thought and, and it, again, as I said, putting on your favorite tune or listening to your favorite song, I just think gives you a lot of joy. It makes you feel better. Sorry, that twingy twangy has <laughs> just made me laugh. I loved that. <laughs> It's going to be that from now on. Are we putting on the twingy twangy stuff for our meditation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> so go ahead, explain what your song is. Why is why have you chosen this song? All right. So I have chosen Candy Stanton and the Source, which is the original You've Got the Love. So I heard this song many, many years ago. And I just, I just, first of all, love the energy of the song. And, but also what I love, I suppose, is some of the lyrics. So you've got the love to see me through. Um, and, and, I, and I think through all of this, the one thing, I suppose that's why it's so meaningful to me, is that actually without that love for self or for something bigger than you, um, then it's going to be difficult for you to navigate through life. And so this song gets me really connected, grounded is another thing. And I, I think that that sense of knowing that actually you might be on your own journey, but actually you're not alone. And that's what I really like about this song. And it really, yeah, really, really is a meaningful song for me in that way. That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.